All right. So, talk Recorded live. Well, hello, hello out there, my listening audience. It's your girl, Barbara McGee, and I'm here with my co-host, Rodney Best. How are you, Rodney? Hey, I'm just fine. You know, I'm I'm uh, I'm just waiting to hear more and more about this this thing that's close to home, right out my back door. Absolutely, absolutely. And we have a friend of the show, Pastor Kwaku, is here with us tonight. Pastor Kwaku, are you there? I am here, and I'm I'm happy to be back with you guys again. And I've certainly, I think this is an interesting topic that we are going to be in, involved in this evening, and deserves a lot of our attention. Absolutely. And before we get started, I'm going to play a song uh, written by my niece, Valerie Trout. So check this out, everybody. Hope it's edifying for you. It's a time to something about my I know you can feel it. I have a feeling like it. Maybe children dying. What are we gonna do? There's a wind of change on going. It's a time to find a stronger. The wind of change is flowing. It's a time to fight the storm. All right. So that song is called Town Rise Up. And that's exactly what happened in Berkeley, California last Thursday. Now, I'm Barbara, I'm here with Straight Talk, and we're going to bring it straight to you today. Today, I have my esteemed guests start with a roster of Berkeley High students who had the forethought to organize and to march to UC Berkeley, to Sproul Plaza, and it replicated something like from the 60s. It was so shocking to me to see 2,000 students in the street marching because of death threats because of their school being so overrun with racism, they don't feel comfortable and safe in their educational environment. Um, Berkeley has been a point of change. Isn't that right, Rondi? Haven't we always looked at Berkeley as long as I've been in Oakland and as long as I've been in a California resident, which I was born and raised here, you know, I've always seen Berkeley as a place, a pulse, where change happens. Tell me, Rodney, what's your feeling about Berkeley when you think about Berkeley and you think about UC Berkeley and all the protests that we've seen go down in, a, in its history? Well, you know, when, when I think of Berkeley, I think of people who are saying, let's make a difference. You know, I, I think of people who are saying, let's make an understanding and I think of people who have said no doesn't mean we can't make it in this world. And when I moved to California in uh, back there, but 
Berkeley was one of the cities that I really wanted to see because um, the African-American population that actually settled Berkeley, it was it was phenomenal. I, I, I didn't know, and when I heard about it, I wanted to go and read about it, so I went to the Berkeley Museum and, and I read about it. So I look at him as one who has implemented a lot of things that the United States government in clear-minded people can say change does make a difference and I think I think there's going to be a different walk um, and just to just to quietly say to the children today when I was in high school back in Somerset New Jersey we had a march on our school too because of racism and you know what they locked us out and when we got on public ground they pointed guns at us and told us if we come one more step across that field and come into the school, they were going to start shooting us. This was the correctional officers for Franklin Township, Somerset, New Jersey. So I applaud you today. Here it is 40 years later that you are taking the urge to say, my life matters. Absolutely, absolutely. I want to just brief everyone as to who we have our guests tonight. I want to start off with a friend of the show, Pastor Kwaku. Hello, Pastor Kwaku. Give us a little bit about your expertise, what you do, and uh, just keep it at two minutes. We have so many people that want to talk. But how, you're, how you see fit to mentor these children and I call them children because they're young adults, but they're mine and yours. And we want to talk about how we're going to mentor them through this process. So give us a little bit of your background so we understand who you are and how they should look to you. Okay. Uh, thank you. Thank you once again. It's a pleasure to be here on Straight Talk again. Uh, my background goes back. I hate to even talk about how far back because then everybody would start thinking I'm Santa Claus or somebody. Uh, but I it was <laughs> I was involved in the movement back before Malcolm was murdered. Right after Malcolm came back from Mecca, and I was I was on the East Coast then, and I was and very involved. And 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 I moved here uh, several years after that. So I've been in the Bay Area for over forty years, and uh, you know I, I've been to several schools: Ohio State, Northeastern University. I went to the University of San Francisco. I have a doctorate and a master's degree, and uh, I have been in the mental health field for, like I said, for over 40 years. And and my focus has always been, you know, to focus on our people because it doesn't matter whether it's Berkeley or Boston. Uh, supposedly these leader, leading communities about change, racism still exists. And I All think right. that, yeah, and that Martin Luther King was uh, uh, was one who stated that we can legislate laws, but we can't legislate what's in people's hearts. And so I think you see that down in Missouri over there at the university over there. Now we're back here in Berkeley again. So these people that have this racist mentality, you know, exist everywhere. And we have to be conscious of it, and we have to check it every time it rears its, its evil head. And, uh, you know, I want to congratulate those students for standing up up there because so many of our people, just like the students at Missouri, I hate that I don't want to go over my time, but, you know, these guys and and the people on the the ball team and they were put their livelihood possibly in jeopardy. 
because don't think for one minute that these people's names are not going to be put on a list when it comes time to come out of school and go into, say, some of them want to go play pro football and pro basketball and all these kind of things. This stuff will come back. But we still have to stand up. A lot of people would not stand up because they're looking out for their own personal interests. And I want to congratulate these students on standing up today. Absolutely. All right. And we're going to come back to you, uh, Pastor Kwaku, because of your educational prowess. We're going to come back to you and talk a little bit about what happens in schools and how that tracking, you know what I'm talking about, the psychological profiling and tracking uh, works against our students. So I want to mm-hmm. I want to come back to you with that. But, and then I also am uh, very thankful you're here. Our first special guest and the person who has put together this uh particular uh, forum for tonight uh, is a new friend to the show. Uh, She is someone I met uh, briefly with her lovely daughter, and I was so impressed by her and her daughter that uh, we carried this sistership, and I saw her again. Uh, Well, anyway, her name is uh, the Miss Bernadette Coleman. Now, Bernadette Coleman is the Berkeley NAACP Chapter Youth Council Advisory. Bernadette, hello. How are you? I'm doing excellent. How are you? Well, I'm doing excellent to have you on the show, and I'm I'm really uh, in awe, and I'm in disbelief, and I am so honored to have uh, Raven, uh, to have Deja, and to have Yale, which we're going to get to each one of them in their specific uh, uh, experience in just a moment. But I really wanted to take this time out. First off, everybody, we're here because of teaches5cl.com, and you can go there. You can download music. You can check it out. You can surf around. We do film, uh, uh, entertainment, music. Uh, you can check out the website, and uh, like I say, www.c25cl.com. This is Straight Talk. I'm your girl, Barbara, and we're going in for uh, Bernadette to tell us a little bit about the NAACP and what it does, who it serves, how did you get involved, and why did they contact you? Okay, so go ahead with that. Well, good evening, listeners. Again, my name is Bernadette Coleman with the recently reactivated NAACP Berkeley in Reveal in Albany Youth Council co-chair. And the mission of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People is to ensure the political education, social and economic equality of rights of all persons and to eliminate race-based discrimination. And our vision is very clear. It is to ensure a society in which all individuals have equal rights without discrimination based on race. Uh, I am a mother and a wife and a proud African-American, and I'm here to help keep Martin Luther King Jr. dream alive for social justice and all lives matter. Um, I joined the Berkeley uh, NAACP Council to um, support our youth because our youth is our future tomorrow. And uh, we have the NAACP is was it, uh, started in 1909. It has represented uh, civil rights and equal justice for a long time. So um, this was the reason why I joined the organization because I wanted to be a part of a better tomorrow for our youth for today. Well, we love you, and we thank you for your service because we know that this is not a service 
or a position that you hold that gives you any monetary value. But what it does is it allows you to mentor young people and send them in the positive right direction and give them the support that they need when they come up against things like this. And I thank you for being there, and I thank you for being a friend of the show, and we're going to have you back, back, back. Now tell me a little bit about your daughter. Your daughter is the – tell me about her role. Uh, Jamila Coleman is the president of the Berkeley NAACP. Uh, she is still in office and comes home on breaks and um, sp- spring breaks and Christmas holidays uh, to still facilitate the meetings. We have done amazing things since uh, we reactivated. She was chosen last year to be the key introduction speaker to our state president of the NAACP at our uh, conference. And we were given, um, awarded the new kids on the block. But what I like most about the young uh, youth council members, um, they like to do the motto of uh, Rotary uh, Service Above Self. We go out and feed the homeless uh, in the parks. We partner with the police department to pass out turkeys for the holidays. And this year we will also be feeding or um, helping with toys for the toy drive with the city of Oakland. And so a dynamic group, uh, very intelligent young men and women, on the move, fired up and ready to go. I love it. I love it. Well, we thank you for your service. I want to bring to the floor uh, young Deja. Deja, uh, are you there, Deja? Yes, I'm here. Hi. Okay. Uh, hi. I want to introduce all of you together. Okay, so Deja, you are the Oakland NAACP Youth Council Chair. And did I get it right? Yes, you did. Okay, good. And where do you attend school? Um, I go to Berkeley High School, and I'm a senior. And you're a senior. Okay, all right. So I'm coming right back to you. Okay, and we have special guests. Raven, Raven, how you, are you there, Raven? Hi. Hi, hon. I'm so glad to have you. Now, Raven, um, you are the vice president of the NAACP. Tell, tell me a little bit about your title and what you do. Uh, hi, I'm the... My name is Raymond Wilson. I am the Vice President of the Berkeley Albany Emeryville uh, chapter of the NAACP. And basically, I, I'm the facilitator while Ms. Coleman, our president, is away at college. I see. All right. Wonderful. Well, we're glad to have you. And we have a gentleman who has joined us as well. His name is Yale. And forgive me, but I'm not using last names of the young people that are here. I'm just uh, using their first names, and I'm doing that to protect their identities. Uh, Yale, uh, tell me where you go to school and uh, what grade you're in and what you hope for your future. Hi, I'm DL, and uh, I'm a senior at Berkeley High. Um, I'm not in um, Black Student Union or any of those groups, but I really do hope to be in the future, and I hope to make a lasting impact on the community. I see that in Berkeley High, we're so self-segregated, and with the small school systems and AMPS and the difference between AMPS and every other small school, I hope that we can sort of change that and um, in Berkeley High make it at least a safer community and a more comfortable for, uh, community for kids of color. I love that. I love that. I love that. Okay, I'm going to go to you, Deja. Okay, so you're at school. Um, let's say this was 
went Tuesday or was it Wednesday? And tell me it what happened. Wednesday. Okay. Oh, uh, ahead. So supposedly we got an, we got an email later that night, like ten, eleven o'clock, and the email said at twelve thirty in the afternoon, a kid at Berkeley High um, hacked one of the computer lab computers and posted a hate crime on our computer, um, and that they were doing an investigation. They, like, locked down the um, computer lab, and we weren't, we weren't able to go into the computer lab because of the so you have a so, so you have a class that means that at some point in the day you have to filter through every day through the computer lab and use yes. the computers for your – it's part of your – uh, uh, your education to use this as part of the class, you have to go in there. So where did this yes. email come from? The email came on your phone or it came yes. from your, okay, I see, I see. So you were aware that there was something brewing, but you didn't know what. Yes. Okay. So I want to go to Raven. Raven, so you get to school, you got the email, and you get to school, and how did you find out what was really being said and what was said? When did you determine that? Um, actually, I, uh, like David said, there was an email sent out on Wednesday night, um, and apparently the, the incident occurred early in the morning on Wednesday, so around, around noon, and they sent out an email at um, 10 o'clock at night on Wednesday evening. Um, I did not find out it actually happened until I was in uh, a coffee shop, and my friend texted me, I need to be here immediately. And I ended up running over here when she told me how serious it was. And then I got here. She shows me what has actually been said, and I personally just break down crying. Okay, well, how did she show you? It was an email on her phone? Actually, the, the actual post or what was actually said was going around Twitter and Instagram, and it was on the Internet for a while before we even got an email saying it happened. So she had the she had the actual pictures of what was said because they was they were they had they had been circulating for hours beforehand okay. before we got that okay. email. Okay, what did it actually say? Can you share that with us? Do you feel comfortable sharing that with us? Um I don't have the direct picture of what was said. But it was along the lines of um, uh, they made a threat to lynch all N-words on December 9th. There will be a public lynching on this, on Wednesday, December 9th. Um, and then another another thing or uh, another header said on the other side of the um, of the page because uh, when you look at the web page, it opens up like a book. And on one side was um, F all in words, and they used the ER. Um, it wasn't the slang version. It was the, the even worse, um, um, outdated uh, colloquialism. And they said F all in words. Uh, there will be a public lynching December 9th. And then on the other side, on the left side of the page, it said I, I hung a in word by his neck in my backyard. Okay, I'm thoroughly outraged. I'm thoroughly outraged. 
And I want you to know that this is why we offered this forum for you to talk about this, and this is why we have a Pastor Pukweku here to walk us all through this. But I want to know from you, Yale, when you saw that, where were you and how did that make you feel? Um, I was actually getting ready for school in the morning, uh, the morning of the uh, protest, actually. Um, I saw it, and my immediate reaction was, wow, this is really unfortunate, but the administration isn't going to do anything about it, so what can we do about it? And I came to school, and I kept thinking about that, and seeing as I wasn't a member of any really pre-established social justice groups at the school, I was like, wow, I can't do anything about this, and I can't help. And I just got this overwhelming feeling of uh, helplessness. And um, I was in my first period, and I knew we were going to talk about it. We did talk about it. And then with, we all with, saw with that your, walk with, with with your with your teacher, your first period teacher, instead of class, this is what we were talking about. This was today's yeah. message. Okay, so yeah. you're in the class, how many whites, how many Mexicans, how many Hispanic how many people what is the what's the breakdown of the twenty five people in the class? The makeup of um of that class first period was almost all white. I'd say it was seventy 70% white, um, and okay. there were 30% colored kids. Um, and I was one of the only black males in there. I was one of three black males and okay. one of, so, I think, five black people. Okay, so it could have been anybody in that classroom yeah. that did this. And you don't know who it is. You got how many students on the campus? Maybe 2,000? 3,000, somewhere around there. 3,000. 3, so, yeah. Okay, so then you're sitting there and you're thinking, I just can't take it. This could happen. I'm, I, I don't trust my school. I don't, I'm not feeling safe. What did you do then? Um, after, after talking to my class, I felt like I was some, like I had an obligation to talk to them about this thing as I was one of the only people who was willing to speak up. And once I saw that there was a walkout, I apologized to my first period teacher um, I know he was trying to help, but I know he doesn't quite expect me to stay in class. And I just walked out, and uh, I was in the crowd. I wanted to uh, go up and speak, and I actually met Raven up there as well. Um, I, unfortunately, did not get a chance to speak, but Raven did. And uh, she she spoke very well at that. Um, after that, Raven. I just, uh, Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Forgive me one second. Raven, you took the podium. No you had a... You, you had a mic, you had a, what did you do? You walked up on stairs, you had a bullhorn. How'd you speak to 3,000 kids? Um, there was a community forum. Um, uh, our, uh, the um, BSU, our Black Student Union, they, in the short time, they saw that email and heard what was going on. They performed a whole, they set up a whole walkout rally that tra transitioned into the into a march, and they set this up single-handedly. Three young women did this in a night. Okay, and so all right. There was a form for us to come up and talk, and I I I couldn't contain it anymore, so I I had to get up and I had to say something. Okay, all right. So I want to go back now to. Uh, to, to, oh, first off, everybody, you're listening to www.t25cl.com. Uh, that is our parent company. And uh, this is Galaxy Talk Radio. I'm your host, 
uh, Barbara McGee. My co-host is Rodney Beth. I want to go to Pastor Kwaku. Pastor Kwaku, okay, so now the stage is set. Um, you see that the, the blend at the school is not what we think Berkeley High, I mean, I've always thought Berkeley High was half and half black. So what we're finding is there's uh, not a lot of us, but there is more of other races, and so therefore the kids are there on campus without any protection. And they're under the uh, tutelage of people that don't look like them and don't understand this seriousness of this situation. Pastor Kwaku, what does this do to the psyche? Well, how does this, how does this uh, affect a young person with all their hopes and dreams in front of them? I think it sets a bad precedence in the first place. Uh, one of the things that I am uh, I'm involved with a group now, and we're this is one of the things we want to work toward creating an, an, a system outside of that system, the same way the Asian people do it, a number of other groups do it. Because no matter what, in in an integrated system, we really are going to be the minority most of the time. You know, because let's just face it, it's more of them than it is of us. So, but, and the, but the problem comes in is when we, you know, when we don't get taught these things from home. I, I think that the advantage that my group had when we were coming up is our parents prepared us for going out into the system because it was really, it was really tough back in those days. And they mm-hmm. knew that we, we had to be ready to be, uh, you know, to defend and take care, take care of ourselves no matter what. Now um, I think what's going on is a lot of kids are leaving home and say, in fact, my youngest son, uh, when he graduated from high school in Fairfield, California, uh, he uh, he went to, well, there was a, a graduation party. And uh, he didn't know anything about racism because you don't want to push this stuff off on your children because you you, you don't want, the, uh, want it to look like that you're preparing them to be uh, what they call reverse racist. But he gets dressed and he goes gets, and goes to the party. When he gets there, guess what? They said no N-words allowed. Mm. These, these were people that he had went to school with. Some of those people had been in our home. And I think that our kids are not often, you know, when this kind of stuff happens, it, it kind of shocks them. And and he was, like, really hurt, like, Dad, uh, what is this all about? And then I had to sit down, like, having that, you know, that father-son uh, conversation about manhood. I had to sit down and talk to him about, hey, how racism permeates throughout this society. And then as he went out in the market after he got out of school and started looking for jobs, he the, one of the things that kept coming up was, Dad, I don't know why I'm putting in all these applications and all my friends get jobs. And, I, you know, he graduated with honors. You understand what I'm saying? Right. A lot of his white friends go out and get a job in five minutes, and he, it took him a while to get, get to the state. So I think that we are, t- are totally unprepared, the young people now who are in high school and who are older than that, even in college level, unprepared for the system that we have to deal with. And Absolutely. And, 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 and so – one of the things that I've always advocated for, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the, Dr. Umar Johnson, who's, who's starting this school up in Virginia for for young African-American males. And he said he he don't want 
them in the classroom with other groups. He wants to teach them about who they are, what their position is in the world, and these kind of things before you integrate them into the larger society because they they go out ill-prepared. They go out, you know, thinking that things are one way and things are actually a, a whole other way. It and sets so, them up for what I like to call the great disappointment because exactly, the, dis- exactly. the disappointment, that what, that, yes. That was what my son went through, you know, and I said, look, yes. hey, son, this is who they are. You don't yes. know who they are. You don't know because you can be sitting with them, you can have a conversation with them, and they can look like they're your friend, and they can even act like they're your friend, but when it comes right down to it, you don't know where they are. You don't know where they stand. That's why it's best to really, to you know, it's not to be a separatist, but you ought to be connected with your own people so that you got that as a backup, as a buffer, when you're going out there dealing with those, uh, you know, these other groups. And just so we like- have- just like we, we, we have to teach our kids about this stuff. Racism has always existed. This this country was founded on racism. Yeah. You know it. You know, and so somehow we think it's going to change when the same groups of people who worldwide who control the economics still control the system. Absolutely, you know, Pastor Quaker. I just want to say I want to go to uh, to Bernadette. Bernadette. Thank you so much, Pastor Quaker. Bernadette, Ms. Coleman? Yes, I'm here. Well, now, he said some key things. And one thing I like about what Pastor Quaker, I always love what he has to say and what he brings. But what, what he said that was very interesting is he said, and same thing with Yale, um, you know, that we have got to be connected. But these young people, surprisingly enough, through the NAACP, and through the organizations that were in place in, in, in Berkeley at that time, were able to mobilize something that lit the whole nation on fire when we all seen them marching up to UC Berkeley. So my question for you, Bernadette, is when you heard about this, were you contacted by the young people? I mean, did they, did they contact you and they say, what do we do? I mean, where do they go for protection? Well, I was in a business meeting the morning that I got a text from Raven, the vice president of the Berkeley Youth Council, and um, her new client I was uh, presenting my uh, holiday gift line to, and as I read the message, I remember that um, my body just, um, it was like, got paralyzed. And I was trying to pretend as though I was paying attention to the person that was speaking to me and holding back the tears because I literally wanted to cry because I said to myself, I can't believe this is happening in 2015. It made me feel as though we were back to yesterday. Yeah. I was was lost for words. I was deeply by the news to even see a student brave enough in 2015 so openly and comfortably to post something like this. What has really disappointed me is that um, adults do not um, take accountability when it comes to African Americans and doing the right thing by us. There is never ever equal justice but this time we will win. 
Well, let me just let me just say this. Let me say this now, Bernadette. You and I had uh, the privilege of uh, polarizing with. Well, I, I'm 50 miles away from Oakland, and when I heard that this was going down, I came, drove over the hill, came because I wanted to be a part of what I was told was going to be an open forum where we could speak to people in government. And it happened to be Congresswoman Barbara Lee was there. I counted five city council people. I counted, uh, but you know what was really interesting to me is that as I sat in the church and waited for more people who felt the passion that I felt about these students, and as I sat there and looked at Barbara Lee and the moderator, who was the Berkeley uh, NAACP president, and when I saw, uh, you know, the people that sat behind me, I was in shock because what I saw, young people, were all white people. I mean, there was a few of us sprinkled in there, but it was mostly, and so it was mostly white people. Uh, Now, I don't have anything against that, but what, what what made me interview them is first off I'm in the media and second off I wanted to know why why did you guys come over here? Some said they came to look to see who was going to show up. Others said they were fans of Barbara Lee and what she's done. Other I heard a couple of people talking about outside. Well, when they make this position, when blacks move this way, we're going to move that way. I won't go into what organizations it was that I overheard. But, I mean, there were people there that were literally listening in on how we were making plans, what our complaints were, so that they could tack on whatever organization, uh, social injustice organization that they favor, so that they could ride on our coattails. So yes. the amount of people that were really in there to support Black Lives Matter, because that's how it was built, they came there as looking mm-hmm. to see. And, and you that know, is Barbara, what bothered me. You know what, Barbara? You know, yeah. I I I love, love to, to to piggyback on on this whole thing of diversity. It's what you what you're speaking of. What to me, you know, I, I I've listened. I hear the children of today as they they make their their statement about this 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 racism that to us it hasn't changed. To them, it's an eye opener because see when they Preach diversity, and you know, Pastor, you, you understand what I'm saying. To preach diversity, everybody thirty years under, thirty years ago was 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 okay, good. I'm here, I've arrived, and we were like sitting there shaking our heads, saying, "No, we still got a lot of work to do." Right. And now, and now the diversity is not blooming into a flower; it's a bud. And it's getting stuck, and the kids of today have to fight their way out of this bud, man. In 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 the NAACP, you know, when when I was in high school, I was I was gun ho. I was very active in college, very very active. Got out here in the working world and got busy with with the family, raising kids and everything. But our community our community started shrinking. You know, it used to be a community where you could go out your front door and walk three, four, five, six blocks, and you saw everybody that looked like you. 
Yeah. Same color, same color as you. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Today, today you go out your front door and you walk five steps. You don't know who your neighbor is. Yeah. Unless unless it's some type of social economic thing where they said, okay, I'm gonna put this little group over here. So children, and and, and please uh, understand me calling you a child because see, I'm forty years I'm forty years out. I'm proud that God blessed me with 60, 60, 61 years on earth. The pastor, he's 11 years ahead of me. So we've seen some things. We've seen some things, and I am so proud. I am so proud that you decided to step up and say, we see you. You can't hide from us. We see you. And make sure they continue to hear you. Voice yourself. That's the way you're going to get attention to Cure the problem because if you don't say nothing, it, they'll continue to hold your bud and no flowers will grow on your on your bush. Well, let me let me. I thank you for that comment, uh, co-host. Everybody, you're listening to T25CL. Uh, this is Galaxy Talk Radio. I'm your host, uh, Barbara McGee. Uh, my co-host, Rodney Best, and producer of the show. Uh, we are here on Straight Talk, and we have the students from Berkeley High here, along with Bernadette Coleman, affiliates of the NAACP, and Pastor Plato. I want to go back to Deja. Deja, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, Deja. Okay, so let me ask you this question. So once all this happened and you got to UC Berkeley, and you're standing, because I assume you marched with the group, right? Yes. When you got to UC Berkeley, did you feel safer at UC Berkeley than you did to speak out on your own campus? No, I didn't feel safe the whole day. You didn't feel Even safe my the peers. whole Okay. So, so let me ask you this, because we've heard in the news, we've heard – uh, here and there, uh, that the person was caught allegedly, and it was a single-handed move, and they're not sure if they're going to suspend him or they're not sure if he's going to be expelled. Mm-hmm. Do you believe, in your experience at Berkeley High, that it's one person only, or do you believe that he was just the one they all put it together, and he was the one that had the ingenuity to put it together. Honestly, I believe that they never found a person. I believe that they never, they just said they found the person to get us to be quiet and they, to get us to calm down and, and get really to sweep the, to sweep, yeah, to sweep the issue under the rug. So yeah. I don't think they've ever found a person. So don't you think that that person needs to be charged with a hate crime? Because, you know, that's jail time. And then if that person is charged with jail, then you could see the justice system working to protect you? Yes. I believe that if he is charged with a hate crime, that the justice system really is trying to protect us. I think that it would be an eye-opener to the African-American community because you don't see that a lot. You don't see African-Americans getting justice. And if this issue gets justice, that will be 
that will be an eye opener. It, it will open everything. It will let us know that we are protected. Okay. I thank you for that. So, Raven, I come to you. You're the vice president of the NAACP. You know, it's very interesting who you know. And the interesting thing about you is that you were in place at the right time, at the right moment. And uh, God never makes mistakes with us. He gives us our influence. That's right. He gives us our influences, and he gives us our mentors, and he gives us our challenges, and then he gives us our action makers. Now, I would assume that whoever would threaten you at Berkeley High, I would assume that they didn't know that you were the vice president of the NAACP chapter. Would that be, would that be so? What do you think about that? So I, I, I would say that not many people do know unless I disclose it. And uh, that day I kind of disclosed it to 3,000 people. Exactly. In other words, in other words, if we're under attack, there are those who can immediately put their hand on the pulse of health. And that's what of you course. did. Is that, is that right? I, I wouldn't say that so many words, but I felt that I was just, I was pulled to action. And I, I, I just had, I, had, I was called to action. And I was called to say something on behalf of, of everyone who's ever had to go through this. Absolutely. We, hey, everybody, we got a caller online. Let's see who it is. Hey, you're on Straight Talk. State your name. Do you have a question tonight? It's Deja. I got disconnected. Sorry. Oh, oh, that's okay. That's okay, Deja. That's all right. You're back in place. Okay. It, it, sometimes it happens like that. Okay. I want to go to Yale. Yale? Okay. So when you got up to UC Berkeley, now it's about 11 o'clock. I turn on my TV, and I'm in shock. My jaw has dropped down. I see the 12 o'clock news, and I see my people standing on Sproul Plaza demanding protection. I'm going to put something in your mind. And I don't know if you, how you feel about this. But, I mean, as a young man of color, I mean, it's not like you're going to go call the police to help you because the police are also your enemy. So when you're looking at all these institutions in the United States that refuse to protect you, when you think about protection, have you ever thought that, we as blacks need to be protected by the United, by the United Nations or by some um, global community that could come and protect us as we fight this fight? What's your thoughts on that? Um, I do think that some action needs to be taken by some sort of outside source, some um, not necessarily unbiased, but some, some outside group. Um, but I do think it's important that we sort of uh, come together as a community and take the steps that are necessary in order to protect ourselves. Um, and just uh, take, take action, be proactive instead of reacting. That's what I saw at Berkeley High. I saw a lot of, I saw a lot of reactions instead of being proactive. Though that's not really an issue with the, uh, with the students themselves. It's more of an issue with the administration. I just think that things need to change, you know? And in order to make a difference, we need to be proactive about things, and we don't need to look for short-term solutions. We need to look for long-term solutions. 
Okay, so what does what? Give me three things. I'm going to ask each one of my students. Give me three things you think need to be done right now. Yeah, I'm going to start with you. What three things would make you feel more comfortable about this situation? At Berkeley High or just in general? At Berkeley High. Um, well, first of all, we do know that the person, if they actually did catch somebody, is a um, he's a lower classman and he is male. And he is not white, apparently. Um, so I think, I think something that needs to be done just to make sure this sort of thing doesn't happen again is some sort of a mentorship program. You know what I'm saying? It's like mm-hmm. clearly, this, clearly this child didn't have direction. And you sort of need the, um, you sort of need the guidance of an adult, a uh, big brother figure, not even necessarily a senior to sort of guide you in the right direction. And that's not just for, that's not just for white students, that's for kids of color as well. Um, for me, it's not necessarily about feeling safer. It's about ensuring that this doesn't happen again to future generations, to my kids, if they do go to Berkeley High. I wanna make sure that this does not happen to them. You know, hey, Barbara, can I interject right here? Yeah, go ahead. You know, I, I was listening to the gentleman's uh, um, statement regarding proactive, um, proactive things. You know, when, when when this flared up back when I was in high school, we we be, the NAACP in our community became very proactive, and I think one of the things that we saw that was going to make a change was to have Black history placed into the school system, where now kids were able to see that there were people of color who were very successful in their lives. And we not only had it placed in the school system, we made it an, we made it an elective in high school in order for you to graduate. So I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm listening to the, 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 the kids, and, you know, this gentleman also mentioned about, a, you know, not a big brother figure but a mentor figure. But I would, I would strongly suggest, you know, a, a very good proactive thing was to get black history back into your school. Let well, you know, about let, the success. Let, let, I let agree with this. you. Let, let, let me tell you this. I heard that Berkeley High was the only school that still had an African-American studies department in a high school level. Is that so? Yes, that is true. But the thing about that is, yes, that, is, is that we currently – don't have any staff in that area, unfortunately. Aww. So it's, yes, it's, <laughs> every it's year, functionally non-existent. Every year oh, they're firing the African-American teachers. That's why we don't really have an African-American studies department. We have Afro-Asian and Afro- African-American history class, which is, that's about it. And, and there's only and fucking classes. And wow. if I can jump in and say... Basically, okay, is that Raven? Is that Raven talking? So we heard yes, that is. Now this, okay, Raven, go ahead. And if I can jump in to say, we do have black history. However, it's black history taught in a Eurocentric class. Basically, you're learning what black people have done in regards to white people or the white view, because most of our teachers are of, are, are of a Caucasian descent or a small majority are another descent. Um, so we right. don't get to learn black history from a black person. We get to learn black history from a sort of Eurocentric view. 
Okay, well, let me just say this. Pastor Kwaku, let me tell you what yeah. happened in my house last night. My daughter, who we live out in Walnut Creek, and she goes to a predominantly white school, and she's just starting. She's very timid. She's very smart, but she's just starting school. She had a paper to write about William Shakespeare. And I told her, I said, do you know William Shakespeare never wrote? He was illiterate. He never wrote a play. Um, he had a concubine slave slash, I think he might have called her a whore, but she wrote every play. She had sonnets and books and writing all this stuff, and he was sleeping with her. And at that time, even women, whether you're black, white, or whatever, could not publish anything. And so he used his sir, his sirness, to be able to take her books and publish them under his name. She was the fourth woman in history, the first of four women in history to ever publish a book, and every one of his plays are her sonnets. And my daughter refused to write that on the paper because she told me that that would not be on the test. Well, I, uh, may I speak to that? Yes. Yeah, I, I can understand why she wouldn't be, because I, a good friend of mine had went to Kemet, Egypt, and he took his 13-year-old daughter with him, and for the summer she was supposed to write a paper. When she wrote the paper about, you know, Egypt being Africa, and African people were the people who who were the dominant people in that land, who, who built the pyramids and who did that. She was given an F on her paper when she got back over the summer. And, uh, you know, I've had an experience myself, right, uh, years ago I went over to the University of San Francisco and I wanted to, to you know, I wanted to really get in on a really heavy uh, African uh, history class. And I was in the class about three or four weeks and I found out that they was really teaching nothing but uh, African slavery, what what African people did here in America as slaves, to me that's not African history. That's and right. So, and and so when your kids, just like this brother, his daughter was given an F, and he had to go to the school and threaten to sue for them to change the grade on his child's paper because they were trying to tell him that what she wrote wasn't true. There's no way to prove it, and all this kind of stuff. Well, anybody that knows anything about ancient cultures and African history know that that's true, but uh, the European reject any idea except the idea that they have perpetuated around the world. And exactly. so exactly. when your kids go into that system, it's almost like somebody being on a job. You may you own that job and you're working there and you allow certain kinds of things and behaviors to take place because you want to maintain your job. And you don't speak up or stand up when you know you need to stand up. And so this is what I, I think this is what our kids are going through now. They see the best way to be successful is to, is to you know, really yeah, integrate. Yeah, it, it integrates to such a level where, uh, you know, kids don't even want to admit to being totally black anymore. Uh, yeah, you know, they, yeah. Yeah, they yeah. want to be something else, you know. Yeah. And, and we should be proud of who we are and, and and respect that, and and make other people respect that. And, but, and but 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 Pastor Quaker, we sit we sit in the class and we hear, well, you know, uh, you came, you got here, uh, seventeen, whatever, you know, sixteen hundred, seventeen hundred, you know, you got here, however you got here, you came. I even saw where in Texas 
McGraw-Hill was writing that African immigrants came over here to work the land. Well, what is that? They, they reduced the pan-African Holocaust to Africans uh, immigrating. Nobody yeah. immigrated. Well, well, you know, there was, a, there was a, such a certain amount of that. And they, were, they, were, they didn't necessarily, you know, migrate, but a lot of them were tricked into coming here. All the African people were not brought here as slaves. They were That's sold right. into slavery once they got here. They were brought right. here as teachers and instructors. Uh, these people didn't know anything about agriculture and all those things that, that made this country great, and they came here as, as teachers to do that work for them and to teach them how to do it. The only yeah. thing that happened is that when slaves were, were when they was freed, they didn't know what to do with Africa. Even Abraham Lincoln had problems with that with that situation. So we have to understand that we are in. We have to have the same ideology that the so-called Jews have. When you talk to the Jews, they say never again. They're constantly, you know, coming together, uh, manipulating, controlling. Uh, owning, you know, and developing their own economy worldwide. So people don't understand that when, when the so-called Holocaust happened in, in, in Germany, the Jews owned over 50% of the economy in Germany at that time. They also owned more than that in the U.S. economy. So until we start to thinking in those terms, and we can't think in those terms until we start to coming back together as a group. See, we're fragmented right now. People are running around all over the place. We have kids now, and I think I mentioned this on the show last week, where a friend of mine, his son, was offered a scholarship to go to Tuskegee. He did not want to go to an all-black school. His son didn't want to. And this shows you how the mentality of, 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 of having to adapt to somebody else's culture can turn you against your own best, best interests. Say that, well, say that word diversity. Say that word diversity. That's 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 the word you want to say when they they, they diversified us. And right now, right. Here, here we are, Pastor Victor, Here we are sitting, and we're defending ourselves again. Forty yes. years later, we are defending ourselves. We we strive for equality. The NAACP for the advancement of colored people. Hear me, kids. Hear me. The advancement of colored people. Forty years later. We are still defending ourselves. Well, I really, I, really, I really liked the perspective that Yale brought about how he was able to identify the profile of a person that would do something like this with his own investigative work. He was able to figure that out. But, you know, it is, um, it is um, very difficult to get them to flesh them out. Because I'm going to tell you why. Because there's a thing called tracking, and I said I wanted to talk about this. Pastor Quaker, uh, who uh, has been in education all his life, uh, you understand tracking. And I think since all of you, Deja, Raven, and Yale, are all seniors, and you're all involved in uh, uh, the betterment of yourself, you're all upper echelons of your class, I can tell that. My point is, is that there's a tracking that goes on when you get in, like, second, third, or fourth grade. And that tracking follows you, and the counselors that you talk to follow you. And, That's right. And, and there's a paper that goes around with you that you can't even go and get that says everything about you. 
and decide from that information where you will be allowed to go later on in life. This little tracking piece that goes through counselor to counselor to counselor is the, is the piece that makes or breaks African-American students. Just today, I sat in the school with my daughter, and I spoke to the counselor, the, the, the college counselor, who is supposed to make sure she's on track with the classes necessary. And, um, hey, where's the AB class? We're, we're Walnut Creek, you know. We're talking about kids who get straight A's that have 4.5. We're talking about kids, and I'm not talking about going to summer school. I'm talking about a 4.5 because you can get an AP course at the school in 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. Now, this doesn't happen for these schools that are in inner city. That's why people pay the higher taxes and move out to these godforsaken areas because we don't want our children to have to not get the correct tracking. Pastor Kwaku, tell us a little bit about the psychological uh, indemnity that goes on with tracking and what happens to African-American kids in the educational system. Well, I, I think that that's something that, uh, you know, anybody, uh, like the brother say, he's at 60, you know, anybody over 40 can, can, can speak to that. You don't have to be an that's right. You know, you can... I mean, you can just look around you. If you just go in any school, and and I have been in schools in the suburbs and schools in East Oakland and all over here, all over the area, and I find out that the kids have no, uh, they don't have any aspirations in terms of who they are as a group because right. this is not a focus there. Their focus is to set them in their seats, and and get paid for them being there and make and, and, and hope that they graduate and get out of there. Well, you know, you know, if if a child don't have any aspirations or any dreams and don't wanna can't see themselves being part of the greatness of the universe, then what you have here is a person that's gonna slowly drift into uh, uh one of these dead end jobs or they're gonna drift into what we might refer to as as a person without hope, and they're not going to fight anymore. You see a lot of people, and we used to refer to them as zombies. When you walk around the streets of wherever you live at, uh, especially when you live amongst a, a lot of our people and, and, you know, people who are lower income, Michelin, you look at, you'll see people who have no desire or no fight left, so they, they, they put up with whatever they have to put up with for survival. And so a lot of our people, are, I think it does. It, it, it puts them in that survival mode. And even to the ones who go on to school and be successful and make straight A's, somehow they get ingrained into their brain that the only way that they can be successful is to totally sell out who they are and become a part of the establishment, which is why you will see a lot of times, you will see some of our people who would be deemed successful or have important positions, and they will turn around and do things politically and otherwise, that is against their own group. And and so that's the psychological stuff that goes on within the framework of our people. We have to be careful. I, I've said a thousand times, and every time I go to a place to speak, that if we don't start to deal with the mental health of our people, and our people don't like to hear that term, mental health, but mental health really just means just how you think. 
if you haven't been fed the right information, you're not going to be able to have positive thinking vibes. And so we need to deal with that. And when I go into a school and I see kids that, well, you know, uh, they want to either play basketball or football or, or, or they don't want to do nothing at all or they've already given up. Now kids in middle school have already given up on the system. They've already given up on the system. So what is it that we are not doing? And I don't blame them. I blame us because we should be proactive every day. And we only get proactive nowadays when something like happened at Berkeley, when something like happens at up at the University of uh, Missouri. You know, we right. need to we, be proactive all hey, the time. Hey, hey, hey Barbara, I got a special yeah. guest. Uh, I got a special guest here with me. Um, she's uh, 80, 80 years on Earth, and she was telling me how they did tracking back in her days in school. I'd like everybody to welcome uh, Mrs. Shirley Best, my mom. Say hello, oh, mom. Oh, hello, hello, oh. Mrs. Best. Oh. Hello, Mrs. Best. Hi. Can you, can you hear her? Uh, we can hear. Put the phone a little closer. The mic is needs to be a little closer. Go ahead. Oh yes, I was telling my son when I went to school. I was one of those front seat sitters because I made straight A's. And we, the kids that made A's and B's, were said you sit in the front. You sit in the front. You got a chance to participate in so many things. It was. It has always been like that. Always. If you had well, the no, if you had the brains, the work, you that was it. You got everything, everything. So, well, so that's the, yeah. she's saying they just redefined it. It hasn't changed. <laughs> just, right. Just exactly. It now, exactly. You know? Exactly. You know what? I've. Uh, I want to just say, hey, gotta. Make another uh, station break. Hey, uh, this particular show for Straight Talk was brought to you by www.t25cl.com. And uh, this is Galaxy Talk Radio. I'm your host, Barbara McGee, uh, cele- uh, so, how, do, how should I say this? Celebrated makeup artist to the stars. We're on Straight Talk. And my co-host is Rodney Best. And we have our Galaxy Chief Andre Ward, head of T25CL, has just joined us, and um, um, we are very interested in him having a word to speak to the young people, and we also got a caller coming in from Los Angeles, California, who wants to speak also. Okay, go ahead. Andre, are you there? Yes, I'm right here. All right, Andre, we have online... Uh, Yale, we have Raven, and we have Deja. And they are all students from Berkeley High School. They're seniors. And uh, uh, Raven is the vice president of the NAACP Youth Chapter. Deja is uh, NAACP head for Youth Council. And, of course, we have the esteemed Miss Bernadette Coleman, who is the NAACP Youth Advisory Board and the Pastor Kwaku. So go ahead and address the, our group. And there's noise. I hear noise. Go ahead. Well, you guys have hit on a lot of points this evening. You've gone from Berkeley to America and back across the pond and into West Africa and East Africa tonight. There's a lot of points to recover. So um, first of 
first, I just want to thank Brother Kwaku for coming back on the show tonight. And Brother, brother Rodney, it's always great to hear from you too, my brother. And uh, Bernadette from uh, uh, Berkeley as well. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Um, I must say, first of all, you know, we're, we're still talking about this racism thing. You know, we're at a 400 years in America. And, and we we're trying to figure out why is it happening and who is doing it. And, and you had mentioned Obama about teaching black history. And you're, you're, kind of, you're, you're kind of breaking up? I'm, I'm, can you hear me now? Much better. Thank you. Okay. I didn't know that black history wasn't being taught in schools anymore until you mentioned it a little while ago. And one thing, too, about black history you got to be careful if you do go back to teaching it again. It seems as though they're only teaching the Negro history, what has happened here in America over the past 400 years, when time doesn't even show when we began in this world. But we do know the geographical location because we are the original people of the planet. And I think that if more awareness was brought to that, it will help educate our people even further because the soliloquy is only going towards us being on the plantation, but it's not going towards us being the owners, makers, cream of the crop, God of the universe, and the first people here on this earth. And it just so happens that over the past 400 years is what we know of, and that is being a bit sketchy because we don't even know who our real name, our language, and the culture is. Now, when you fast forward here into America, even tonight during the debates with the Republicans, um, I even heard Carly Fiorina just lift off all of the enemies who they consider to be in the world, whether it be Chinese, the Koreans, the Russians, and all the various splinter groups over in the Middle East, but nobody ever said domestic terrorism here in this country. The, the Nazis, the skinheads, the clans, and the racism. They act as though that this issue doesn't even exist here in this country. And this is the main, it's the number one problem in this country is racism. Yeah, and they do not, and they refuse to even address this. They do not even want to make it a talking point, but it is a major issue. And then some, the most times is swept under the rug as though it doesn't even exist anymore. That racism was given an aspirin, and now that headache is gone away. But now when instances pop up, like is what has happened across the country, and now it hits us in our own backyard here in Berkeley with this instance. Oh, wow, how did this happen? It's here in Berkeley now. Berkeley is supposed to be one of the most liberal places in the entire country, but here it is. Now, I thought I heard in the news before that the young man, whoever was, was, was captured, but evidently that didn't happen. I just found that out a few minutes ago. Yeah, then, absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. We thought he was, you know, sought out, but, you know, he never surfaced. But because he's under 18, I want you young people to understand 
that they don't have to divulge who he is. And that also alludes to the fact that he isn't caught as young uh, Yale Toas. Now, I would like to ask all of the Berkeley students when and if this person is captured and identified, what would you like for the appropriate punishment to be? Okay, let's start with uh, Deja. you got two minutes. I want him to, first I want him expelled, and I would like him to be arrested for a hate crime. I mean, you threatened people's lives. You caused so much hurt to these people. You should be charged with some type of, like, some type of crime. And hate crime is should be number one. I would agree. And the reason why I agree with you, Deja, is because for years, decades in this country, one of the one of the finding sports was to lynch black people. So this is not well, I mean we're not we're not talking about something that's a foreign idea. We're talking about nineteen sixty, nineteen sixty four, they were still I mean I just can't even look at Facebook anymore because I see these pictures. Mm-hmm. There are people that collect pictures. And all the white exactly. people are standing in there in their Sunday best at a picnic where they have lynched a man for sport on Saturday afternoon. I want to go to Raven. Raven, the question was, what do you want to happen and what would you say would be justice to the person um, if they find them? Um, I would say... I feel that, again, I know this person is young. I know this person is 15, i.e., I know this person is around 14 or 15. And it's easy to say that I would I would love this boy to be, because we know it is a male, I would love this boy to be charged with the hate crime, and I, I would love for that it to end there. Personally, I know that it's not going to end there. I know that once you charge this boy with a hate crime and once this and this goes through court and once this goes on and on and this fight, I know that throughout it all, I doubt he will learn anything. So the, first, the thing that I want the most, I want him to know, I want him to be educated in what he doesn't know. I want him to understand what those what those words inflicted on somebody. Um, for in case an example, the word lynch. If I say that in front of my grandfather, my grandfather visibly flinches. My grandfather is one of the strongest people I've ever seen. So to see one of him, the pillar of my family, flinch over a word, that is something that does something to you as a small child. And I don't think he understood that. I think he understood that it meant something or it meant something being hurt in some capacity, but I don't under I don't think he understood the impact of what happened. And that's worse than even that's worse than even committing the crime for me. Because you had the ignorance. You had the ignorance and you did not have the knowledge to understand what this would do. So I think above anything, this boy needs to be educated. Oh, I love that. Well, uh, your compassion, and, and we are with you, we are behind you, but I do want you to know this, and I think it's very important that you know this, that once a person is expelled from school, it changed their tracking. 
And a lot of times I've noticed, even in when it's been a black girl raped by white boys, a black girl desecrated by white males, it's always, well, they have a bright future. They have a bright future. We'll slap them on the hand because they're going to be something. They're going to go to Yale. They're going to go to Harvard. They're going to go to Stanford, you know. So they're tracked for this, and we don't want to impede their success. So I I, I just really want you to know the mindset of America so you understand when nothing happens because that's the way they think. Yeah, I totally get that. When it, with, no, don't get me wrong. Uh, this boy needs to be charged with it. He needs to understand that what he did was wrong. But above all else, actually, uh, with all else, he needs to be educated. Because we can't, like they do with our young people, we can't just lock them up and say, well, this is what you did bad that he doesn't understand. Because they do that with us with our young people, with our young men specifically, they do that all the time. They lock them up and they don't really, un- they don't drill into their mind why it was wrong. So now these people are locked up, these young men are locked up, and they don't understand what they're doing, or they don't understand why they're there. They understand that they did something wrong. So I feel that, of course, that he should be charged. He, Quite honestly, I have, I, I, he, he really he, he needs to be charged, and he needs to face a jury of his peers. That that's one thing that he very much needs. But I also really believe that he needs that education and that, that thought process to understand to really function how wrong and how bad what he did was. Absolutely. Uh Yale, we wanna to go to you. You know the question and we've got a caller hanging and we've got one text and we've got Lady Ross from Los Angeles on the line. So Yale, go ahead. Um, what I was going to say was basically that I agree with Raven. Um, I think that education above all else needs to be the priority here. Um, supposedly, I heard from a member of the uh, Black Student Union, actually, who has sources inside the school, quote unquote, that the kid was not white. And the thought that immediately ran through my mind was, what does it take for a kid who's not white? to actually say these things. Like, what, what sort of enforcement know, does it take? He wasn't white, though. No, this is just something that was handed down by the Black Student Union, and I actually trust the Black Student Union. But what are they going on? I mean, how do they know if he was not white? And if they know that, then they have to know who it is. Not necessarily. They can, excuse me, the administration has publicly released information that the kid was not white, that he's male, that he's young, etc. But they can't release who he is because he's a minor. Um, That being said, he's not white. Are you saying he's not white? Mexican, Chinese, so what what was it? Well, 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 white white, white is defined, you know, the Italian white, uh, uh, French white, Russian white, German white. Oh, well, I mean, well, wait a minute. You know, what, Hold what, on. Let me, let, let me clear it up. Any, anybody that's not black can be white. Unless you go to South Africa, then as an American Negro, you're considered white there. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, we didn't know that. So, yeah. Okay, but let's get back to what 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 was it? If he wasn't white, then what was he? 
Exactly. That's the question I ask my teachers today, every single one of them. And they couldn't tell me, apparently, and they, like, couldn't divulge that information to me. And I was wondering, like, why? I think I have a right to know now. And they well, just, you they have just a, couldn't. you have a right to know because until that person is caught and captured and removed from the student body, he's a cancer, and he's creating this unsafe environment for you guys that you guys are going to school every day. So you're absolutely right. If he's not caught, then you're not safe. Go ahead, finish up. And if I may piggyback oh. off of that, to be quite honest, when they say, oh, he is not white, I feel like that's a cop-out. I feel like that's somebody saying, well, you can't be so harsh because, you know what, you wasn't white. So you can't do that now. It, it wasn't us this time. And I feel like that's a total cop-out, and that's something that they're they're trying to do to, to kind of push it under the rug. Well, he wasn't yeah. white, so it wasn't that big. I totally thing. agree. I totally yeah. agree. Okay, we're going to go back to Yale. Yale, go ahead. What I was going to say is that it's it's like it does feel like a cop-out, but at the same time, we still need to consider it. And even if if the kid is of color, then basically if we prosecute him, we're sending him to the same, you know, the same, uh, the same prison that we would be sent to, and he's going to be institutionalized and things like that, and it's going to get worse from there. So I think the best thing we can do right now is answer it with under, not understanding, because there's no understanding this, but answer it with education, strict education, and okay. sort of just get him to understand that. Yeah, I, I, we got a, I, we, we've got another caller on the line. Hold on one second, Pastor Kwaku, but I just want to say this thought. I do want to leave this with you, that this is the problem that we have in Bernadette and I saw this as we saw this mass of people who were interested in gay rights, they were interested in women's rights, they were interested in seniors' rights, they were interested in landlord housing rights, they were interested in gun rights, they were interested in no gun rights, they were interested in police protection, they were interested in all these different things, but they were there to be schooled by the civil rights, which was being uh, demanded by African Americans. So here we were in a forum where we thought Black Lives Matter was going to lay out a forum for how we were going to get political clout and move forward. And we end up with the bandwagon being people who are trying to piggyback, not off, not get our justice, but to use our platform to get what they want. Now I'm taking a call, then I'm going to go to Pastor Kwaku. Hold on. Hey, you're live on Straight Talk. State your name, and do you have a question for the panel? Hello, you're live on Straight Talk. You're just listening tonight? Yes. Is this me that you're talking to? Oh, yes. Hey, hi. How are you? Okay, we got a caller from uh, Northern California. Go ahead. Did you want to weigh in on this situation? We have the students from Berkeley. We also have uh, Pastor Kwaku, and we have everybody on panel. Go ahead. You've got two minutes. Well, I sent you a text, and, um, uh, but I came in on the tail end of this conversation, so I don't know the gist of the whole uh, thing, and I don't normally step in on things that I'm not abreast of. But, uh, you know, um, one of the things you did say is, um, which you were alluding to, that in this particular case, you know, we, 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 we go for the same okey-doke over and over and over, and we have to stop this because it's not our game, but we got to write the rules. 
uh, one of the things is when people show up to talk about black, that's what we all, that's all we're going to talk about. Because when white people talk about white, the Republicans that were just on a debate, they weren't talking about nobody else but white people. That was it. Basically, they they not talking about. And when Mexicans come up and start talking about their rights, or and when gays talk about their rights, they're not talking about us. They couldn't give a damn if we get on the bus, whether it's the back seat, the front seat, or on the hood. We're not gonna get in. But when we come up and talk about things, we need to make sure that we stay on point. That don't be ashamed about centrally uh, focusing on who we are and what we are and what we're about, because that's the only way we're gonna get. Uh, we're gonna win this game is that we have to rewrite the rules or stay on point. And that's all i like to say about that. Well, I really appreciate you being there, and thank you very much, Northern California. Okay, I want to go to Pastor Kwaku. Go ahead. You had a thought? Uh, yes. Go ahead. You had a thought? I interrupted you before. Go ahead. Oh, no, it was just about the uh, – I agree with the young lady about the this young man, if he's not, you know, white – which is, I think, what they're saying. I think we still have to be careful about how we process that, because what if it was one of them? So we have to be careful about how the rules that we're going to be governed by in terms of how we deal with this kind of behavior. I agree that this young young child or young man or whoever needs to be educated. But by the same token, he needs to be made aware of the consequences of his actions. You know, Absolutely. so, you know, we, I, I think, like the, the brother said, we too often we sweep these things under the rug. Well, you know, we have to call it what it is. We have to deal with it on that, from that perspective. And as long as we continue to play this game and, and get, become emotional about how we process this stuff, we have, we are mm-hmm. a, a race, we are governed by rules and laws. Those laws and those rules, are, you know, apply to everybody except black people in America. Well, we need to make them apply to everybody. And even in this young man, and uh, sure, he's going to, there's a price to pay when you don't do things the right way. That's the way well, we were brought up. You know, absolutely. Well, I, I, I and, and, then, and I'm concerned about if he's not white, and they say he just say for the sake of argument, he is black. I am really concerned about his health, his mental stability, for him to do something like that, if that be the case. Well, Pastor Quaco, don't you think when there's a culture like that, when there's somebody that's doing that and they've got that level of web experience and they can make this all happen, they've got that kind of licensing, don't you really honestly believe that it's more than just one person? Well, it, it's I mean, quite I, possible because I think that the people, you know, generally uh, – uh, the behaviors that they exhibit, uh, uh, the behaviors that come out of their environment, their group, whatever yes. that group is. That's right. Absolutely. Okay, so you guys, we're running out of time. Everybody, you're listening to Straight Talk from the Higher Dutch, and guess what? This show was brought to you by Blue Mentoring Group. We're having acting classes for the month of December and January. Uh, check out uh, – bluementoringgroup.com if you're interested in information about that. They're our sponsor for tonight. I want to go back through, I want to start with uh, Sister Bernadette. I know you've had a long day. I want to allow you to give your closing statement and then I'm going to refer to the men to give counseling to the young people about what they should do next. Okay? 
So uh, oh, go ahead and, t- and also tell us how we can be part of the NAACP to polarize this. Go ahead. Okay. I would like to first say before I share with how you can be a part of the NAACP, I uh, would like to just add I am all for uh, punishment, you know, consequences for your actions, but I am uh, would like to see a different type of consequences. I don't believe that the person was not white because, uh, as we know, uh, uh the right, the white race do not uh, cover us or support us, or they would have let us let it be known who we were. So that I don't believe, and you can't always believe what you hear. And I like young, the young youth uh, members or students on the phone to know that they tell you what they want. Don't always believe what you see and don't always believe what you hear. I would like the consequence to be for the individual to be educated, like the youth said uh, in this topic tonight, but I would like for him to go work in a community where there's African-American people so he can understand or she can understand who we are. So in closing, I would say if you would like to become a part of a leading civil rights organization in the nation to take a stand with us for justice, and to obtain 100% equality, we welcome you to attend our NAACP Youth Council meetings every second Saturday of each month at 10 o'clock to 11 a.m. at 3269 at Street. Thank you for having me. Well, you know what? It was a privilege and a pleasure, and I thank you for mentoring our young people, and this was the least we could do here at Teach5CL was to give them a platform to be heard. You can email this show and download it. Everybody, when you're done, you send me your emails, and I will send you a link to where you can circulate this show, and you can get your word out. I'd also like to invite the students to invite their friends and to have part two next week, where I plan to have a couple of political analysts on that can also mentor you in how to take a political stand. I also want to talk a little bit about cop stops and how to handle the police to get the best, uh, 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 how do I say, to get the best uh, out of them when you need them to help you, okay? So, um, all right, so we're going to go back to – the galaxies. Uh, no, let's go back to Rodney. Rodney, in two minutes or less, could you tell these young people, uh, give them uh, what should they do next? Uh, uh, just a little scenario from man to young people. What, where should they go next and how should they handle themselves to stay safe? Well, I, basically, just, just out of what, I, what I've seen in, in, in my lifetime, Right now, they're they're doing the right thing. They're getting together with the NAACP and start putting things down in writing as to what you want to see proactive out of the results of this action. You, you've all mentioned about punishing. You've all mentioned about uh, taking measures against the young man, which I think is just really a, a, a very superior thing. But the proactive thing is what do you want them to give you to protect you, to give you financial protection, give you family protection so that you and your people can continue to move forward. That's the most important thing, I think, for you right now is to redefine what 
you want from them so that this does not occur again. And put it in writing, take it on to the state level, the community level, and make sure you get it commissioned so that the next time it won't be a next time. Absolutely. And the name of that man would be would be Tom Turlickson. Okay, that's who you want to talk to about uh, as far as the uh, uh, California State Superintendent of Schools. Name is Tom Turlickson. Okay, and so I want to go to Pastor Kwaku. Tell me, as you edify these young people, what do you say that they should do to keep themselves safe in the next two or three weeks until this gets resolved up until and past December 9th? Well, I would say, uh, like the brother, the previous brother was on, uh, you're doing it the right thing. The, the right thing is to organize, but also while organizing, do not allow this to be swept under the rug. You need to follow this to its finest, to you know, to the end of it. And not only that is, it may be a good time to look around Berkeley High and find out what other things are out of place in terms of of uh, institutionalized racism, how it exists. And while you're doing this documentating and writing down and, and following your leads to whoever you need to follow to to get the changes made, I would stay focused on that. And, and, and number one, do not be afraid because there's nobody that ever accomplished anything on this planet that there wasn't a certain amount of risk involved. And, and good luck to you. I respect all of you guys. We thank you for being there, Pastor Quaker. And so... Um, I just wanted to say, I'm going to give each one of you two minutes. Go ahead. We're going to start with Deja. Deja, what are you going to do to protect yourself in the next couple of weeks and close out? Um, I am just going to keep my head up because I feel like what he's trying to do is back us down and get us to get off of our guard and um, step back and look at the whole situation. So I'm going to keep doing my work to make sure that my grades stay where they are. Um, also, I'm going to um, educate my peers on my history and let them know that just because I'm African-American doesn't mean that I'm less worthy or I am below you. So um, that's one thing. And another thing, um, I'm going to make sure that, yeah, that's it. Okay, all right. And we're going to go to Raven. Thank you. Raven? Um, hey, uh, like Deja, I will basically be making sure that everything in my life is in order. So I'm going to make sure that I'll be getting to class on time and I will be getting my grades in order at the end of the semester coming and I do have college apps to get finished. So I need to make sure that that's at the forefront. And another thing I'll be doing is, again, like Deja, I will be keeping uh, talking with my peers. I'll be keeping this conversation going because if the conversation doesn't stop, it keeps it keeps it at the front of everyone's mind, and it keeps the action from stagnating and trying to, uh, how I say, leave the uh, the front of the mind and the front of the uh, front of focus. So just keep talk, just just to keep talking about it and to keep uh, bringing it up and to keep people interjecting their opinions and then learning things from other people. It will keep. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure it will keep everything in uh, in a state where if something does happen, then that 
totally goes against, um, that goes, I should say, that starts to um, make me feel unsafe. Then it can happen quickly and swiftly because everybody understands what's going on at that point. Well, we thank you for your dedication. We thank you for your conviction. We thank you for being vice president and the responsibility that means. And we wish you, we wish Deja, all the success in the world. I want to go to Yale. Yale, what are you going to do to keep yourself safe in the next two or three weeks? What, 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 what do you um, think you should do, and what are you going to tell your friends to do? Well, what I'm going to tell my friends to do basically is, uh, well, just keep, keep on trucking. I mean, my African-American friends of I have already made an agreement that we would come to school on December 9th, no matter what. I mean, this is supposed to be a safe space for us. And I'm not going to let somebody scare us off from what is essentially my birthright. I have a right to a free education and I have a right to a safe space. And I'm going to do whatever is necessary in order to actually make sure that it's safe for me and safe for my friends as well. So if that means that I'm just going to have to keep taking it and be, um, and be vocal about it, then that's what I'm going to do. I'm also going to ensure that I make contact with the Black Student Union and see about making genuine changes at the school before I leave. I want to leave something for uh, the Lord Glassman to actually have. Well, I appreciate that. And I wanted, and I wanted to say, uh, we've got a little bit of noise. I wanted to say uh, we have Edward. Edward, are you still there? Did you have any two minutes to tell them how to stay safe on campus? Yeah, I'm, I'm still here. Yeah, go ahead and give them what would you say that they should do to stay safe through December 9th on campus at Berkeley High? Well, you know, like I said, I don't know the full story because I came in on the tail of it, but what from what I've heard, uh, it seems there's some kind of um, uh, disturbance, attack, or somebody feels unsafe. Uh, to, stay, to stay safe on campus, uh, you the only thing that we can do as a people is to make sure that our voices get heard. And we're unsafe in this country. Every All of us are unsafe. It doesn't matter what your income is. Dr. Ben Carson, President Obama, they just have Secret Service protection. But otherwise, if you're black and you're in this country, you're unsafe uh, mm-hmm. by any white person that you see on the street. You don't know what's in their heart. Now, we know that we have not been raised to hate but we have to understand as a people what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a group of people that have been raised to, to believe that they're superior to others and that and to hate. Now, if you don't believe that, then you don't believe fat meat is greasy and you don't believe water is wet, okay? So uh, all the, uh, what I am saying is that we need to make sure our voices are heard. We have to force the media to cover us. We have to make sure that our plight is known, and we have to make sure that people understand and know that we are here and that we have contributed and that, that we are people. And if we don't do that, then, uh, of course, then, like I said, you could be unsafe at any minute, any moment in this country being black because when you call the police, they don't come to solve your problem. They come to see if you are a problem. And once they get there, see who you are. And if you don't believe that, then just live in any black community and call the police about something that happened to you and if you get it solved, sometimes I've had a stroke of luck and got my problem solved. But in most, a lot of cases I've seen, I've seen it for what it is, okay? So uh, that's all I can say. We have to keep our voices and make sure that our, our problem is being heard. And we're not just 
crime victim, we are a victim. And, you know, once you think you're not a victim, then you definitely could be one and can be one and will be one. That's all I got to say. Well, we thank you for that. I'm going to leave your comment for last. Uh, 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 Rodney, did I get to you? Did I give you the comment? Did I get? It, you certainly did. Okay, all right. So for young people, this is what I got for you. Okay, we'd love to have a part two. So, Raven, if you'd like to put together some of your people, um, we will give you a forum next week. Uh, you more time. you got the full week to try to put it together and to try to uh, get uh, some political uh, advocates. I will work on that to make sure that they're in place so that we can figure out what we can do uh, legally to protect you. We'll have Berkeley Cop watch on to tell you how to uh, uh, employ the police to service you opposed to cause you the problem or make you the victim as Mr. Nomo just told us. Okay, for my just telling you how to stay safe, always stay prayed up. That's number one. So that your feet are ordered, your steps are ordered, and you know where you should be and where you shouldn't be during these next few weeks. So that your mouth speaks with power and it kills the hate that's coming at you. Keep your camera charged, your camera phones charged, okay, for any time that you need to make a statement or something is happening that you feel is unfair. Keep your grades up, stay on point, document everything as Mr. Best said, and demand an African-American advocate that can be with you, that can help you uh, get your voices heard at that school, and that can make you feel more comfortable and more confident uh, while you go about your daily wares if they do not intend to produce the culprit or culprits, and believe you me, it's more than one individual. Don't let them say that. Don't let it turn around and be, oh, it's not white. It's Because we know that this is a serious situation, and that's why you're here, and this is what I'm telling you to do to protect yourself. If you have someone that looks like you that is an advocate that is seeking out this information, and then we're going to feel more comfortable. We'll have you back next week. I'll contact you individually. Uh, Galaxy Chief, what do you want to say in closing? Oh, just in a brief closing, uh, I agree with the previous brother that there is no cure for racism. You know, you can't cure what's in someone's heart, but that disease that is in someone's heart, you know, it can be removed, but it's got to be removed from them when they come into their own self-realization. And also, we must continue to um, educate our people on all of our Galaxy Talk shows. And our the black man must realize that his history is much greater than picking cotton and slinging chitlins. It's much, much deeper than that. And once we realize and have self-pride with inside of ourselves, then the world will look at us with a little bit more respect. But we've got to remove that type of, of a mentality so that uh, people the, and the world will give us some respect. These presidential candidates will look at us as, as, as black men and not only mention us, but they only mention entitlement cutbacks. And so we have to keep educating on these shows, and hopefully that other radio shows out there will, will continue to educate as well. But we here at T25CL Entertainment will continue to address these issues 
and we have the greatest radio commentators in the whole wide world, and let's continue the great work on all of our shows, and let's keep up the good work. All right, you've heard it first, right here at Straight Talk from the Higher Brush. I'm your host, Barbara McGee, celebrity makeup artist to the stars. I've got my co-host, Rodney Bass. Thank you, Rodney. You're the best. And then I have also uh, Pastor Kwaku, who has joined us. He's from Family Solutions. Mental health uh, is his world, and he gave us quite a, a, a number of edifying comments. We thank you, friend of the show, Pastor Kwaku. We thank Bernadette Coleman. We thank Deja. We thank Raven. We thank Yale. And we thank Berkeley High for taking a stand. We thank Berkeley High for walking down to UC Berkeley and making it an international incident because, trust me, everybody is watching. And on December 9th, don't be surprised if we're all standing there with you with cameras. We're not going to fail you. We're going to stand right beside you. And trust me, you're going to get your education that you deserve, and you're going to feel protected and be be protected because we are a community. All right? All right, everybody. Part two next week. And thank you and to all a good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.